and welcome to a special episode of Here's Diversity. I know it's only the second episode, but this one we're actually going to be talking to Jay Dragon, uh, you know, of Wander Home fame and all the other cool stuff that they do. I uh, hope you really enjoy it. You'll hear another weird interview because this is actually recorded before we had the name for the show. So uh, please enjoy as we have this great discussion. I'll see you soon. Hello. Welcome. You're listening to both season stories. Uh, all been talking creative career podcast. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts and one of the general co-producers, uh, Dusty. I'm joined by my other wonderful co-producers, um, Aki and Alyssa. Uh, if you all want to introduce yourself. Hi. Yeah. Yes, yes, I know. I'm going first. <laughs> I have the K in my name. Um <laughs> I mean, hi, I'm I'm Aki. My pronouns are she, her. I like like Dusty said. I am a, a oh shit. What am I? A co-producer. Yeah. <laughs> um. On uh on on this on this potty pod. Uh, yeah. And hi, I'm Alyssa. My pronouns are they them. And I I guess I'm also a co-producer? Question mark. I'm not doing any production. I'm just sort of shouting things at Aki and Dusty. But happy to be here. That, that's that's producing yeah uh again i use he they pronouns and uh today we're joined by a very wonderful guest uh uh I'm, i'll let you introduce yourself uh who are you and what do you do and what are you a part of hi um i'm jay dragon i don't really use pronouns but if i must they will do um and i am uh, a game designer and a publisher at possum creek games um i write uh, games about community, liminality, monstrosity, and the magical inside the mundane. Ooh, I like that little that intro line right there. That's very good. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on uh, podcasts that I've had the chance to practice, like my mm, my mm-hmm. my little like intro spiel, and really like narrow it down into something that sounds snazzy. <laughs> yes, it was very snazzy. Yeah. Um, I I personally was actually introduced to your games. Uh, actually, Sleep Away. Uh, oh, wonderful! Yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, I think almost a year ago, exactly, okay. probably to this point. Um, oh my god! Yeah, that was that was what? Yeah, that was that's when I was in the BLM bundle, and it would have been just as the Wander Home Kickstarter was wrapping up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it was a good a good time for sleep away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it was my first introduction to kind of like uh lyric games and belonging outside belonging games and i just like since then i've instantly fell in love um folks uh sleep away was my first uh kickstarted game it's a a horror game about a group of uh, queer summer camp counselors trying to take care of their kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i i could talk about that one a lot because just some of the stuff like the way you presented your gender like still a lighthouse in the dark or in a warm campfire still sticks to me to this day Um, i'm exceptionally proud of that game that that actually (laughs) those genders actually went viral on tiktok recently which i thought was very charming um there was a there was a series of tiktoks that got like hundreds of thousands of likes or whatever i don't really understand tiktok that well um but got like a, a, a bajillion i'm a zoomer i'm just not that kind of zoomer i missed the cutoff slightly um we got like a bajillion likes uh, as people were, you know, like basically being like, you know, like 
uh, put up a finger for every one of these that is your gender. And it was very sweet. Um, and I really oh, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're actually here to talk about uh, the other game, Wanderhome. Uh, why don't you give us like a brief introduction to what is Wanderhome for those who are somehow unaware? Yeah, Wanderhome is a um, a pastoral fantasy RPG about a group of traveling animal folk as they journey through uh, a beautiful, slowly healing world. Um, it's uh, like all of my games, or like the vast majority of them, uh, it uses the belong outside belong system, which means no dice and no masters. Um, it's very... Um, uh, rolling and slow paced and contemplative and has kind of a lot of space for long-term play. Um, and it kickstarted last year and a lot of people seem to really like it. Um, and the book, uh, the books are currently, uh, there's about, I think something like six or 7,000 books in the mail right now, flying across the world. <laughs> <in various countries. laughs> oh, that's, that's wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, so I've, been able to play it once actually with uh, the other two people in this chat, Aki and Alyssa. And I've seen, like, I've been, um, I've been part of like production for like a stream of one. And it's just such, mm-hmm. um, don't, it's, it's, the game is a joy to both play and just be a part of just everything. It, it's a lot. Like for me, I, I, I'm sure Alyssa and Aki could expound on that, but it's just, having a game where it's very much you know everyone around you should be more or less good intentioned and a very i guess tender game compared to coming from like pathfinder and monster of the week it's it's a yes a big jump yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for sure um i was really i really wanted to make something that had a very um that um i i kind of uh, I, I talk a lot, I have, I have a lot of thoughts about violence in games mm-hmm. and how violence is frequently not violence. Like, when you play Pathfinder, you are not committing violence against the goblins in a, in a, in a, in a 21st century, 2021 understanding of violence. You're committing violence in an allegorical fantasy context where violence is a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor for empowerment, for agency, for self-determination. But when we look at the world around us, that's not what violence is. And I, I, I have a deep desire to make games that I think I think Sleepaway has this quality as well. Games that um, I think uh, don't have that same relationship with violence that a lot of that, that have a different understanding of what violence is. Mm-hmm. Which is a, me deriding Pathfinder. It's just you know, or any other game that kind of uses violence as that metaphor. I just think there's many. There's many languages of violence, and I'm interested in ones that ring more true to my life experience, you know? I love that, yeah. Um, Why don't we go into uh, Lisa? Why don't you go with the first question we had? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we've already touched on this a little, Mm -hmm. but can you talk about, like, what your inspiration was for creating Wanderhome? Yeah, so um, I actually started working on Wanderhome, like, in the first week of quarantine. I, like went back and like looked at the the google doc and found like oh yeah this started pretty much <laughs> like march 22nd like a, a week after quarantine started was when i started working on wander home um and um it really i think comes out of 
um, it, I remember it very clearly where, um, so I live next to a river. I live right by the water. And I was sitting in my backyard looking at the water. And, you know, it was the first week of quarantine. So I was feeling great. Um, <laughs> um, and I was looking at the water and, and, and feeling just wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. And thinking about how much hurt I was in and also how much hurt the world was in. And what it meant to heal i've got a really i've got a big a big thing about healing i i i i've i have a lot of feelings around uh healing and the difference between healing and getting better and how those are about the two of the most different things possible but we conflate them all the time mm -hmm. um and i was really interested in like if we live in a world that is getting actively traumatized right on every single possible framing of 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 societal and personal trauma what does it mean to imagine a world where healing is possible like not that it is healed but that healing is like a conversation that is being had and that people are engaging in and that the world is kind of invested in finding the answer to um and wander home came out of that desire <laughs> Um, and also, I think just looking at the water and thinking about what how different the world looks from the water and wanting to write something that has a much more egalitarian relationship between um, the land and the people moving through it than uh, how stories traditionally frame that. Those are kind of my those are kind of my goals. <laughs> it's a very high concept, but it was really just me like feeling very sad, staring at a river for like two days straight writing down uh, uh, moves in my notebook and pick lists mm -hmm. in my notebook. I, you know, yeah, I, I feel, I, I definitely see those themes, definitely like trying to get the world healing. And even with some of the uh, playbooks and some of the like questions you ask, a lot, of, a lot of it's like, this happened, but you're moving forward with it. Are you trying to move away or even embrace it? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. mean, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. all just in the sort of playbook descriptions, the like your love is, you know, blank, yes. is just so, so beautiful. What what happened there was in in a lot of Bob games, like if you look at um Dream Askew, for example, it'll say um like you are a social, your like your power is social, refined, and mystical, or things like that. It'll say like mm -hmm. you know you are a competitive person your power is blank blank and blank and i started writing that for wander home and i wrote it down for the dancer and i wrote it down again and i kind of just ended up like being like well what i don't need to be saying all this right most of this is extraneous because it's important for dream of skew sure but it's important mm -hmm. for sleep boy but it's not important for wander home and i was like well what actually do i need to be telling you and i just wrote the words you are alive and I was like, yeah, well, that's the first part. <laughs> like, uh, you are a, you are a, you know, you are a competitive person. You are a competitive, and you are a per, you're a person. You're, I just, you know, it was just kind of like mm -hmm. I, I was just really like, what is, what are the things that is most important? Like, what are the things that are most inflexible, most immobile, most central to your character? And I felt that it was, how do you care for other people and. Uh, a, a ritualistic reminder that you are alive. Yeah, which, you know, even just reading through the game is nice mm -hmm. to see. <laughs> like, 
it's funny how people people really frequently expect you are alive to be a punchline like that i'm gonna have like a playbook that is dead mm. um, and then people mm. realize that it's not a punchline and then they're like well what what is it then <laughs> what is this <laughs> what are these extra words mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no that's a it's definitely something that i really liked playing with um just going through each playbook and like the questions you had to ask like for the one character i played was the fool and oh, just yeah. uh, the fool it was it was so fun to play um but just having the the like the three things that you are sure of and the one thing that you are worried about or mm-hmm. unsure of um it, it was a very interesting way to um flesh out the character and i feel just having these questions alone is enough to do it as is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. um do, do either of y'all have anything else before we go to our next question? No, I'm pretty good. I personally like uh, the descriptions of um, the items, I guess you could say. Like, I played um, mm-hmm. the Guardian. So uh, when choosing items for my ward, I was like, oh, oh that's <laughs> a baby. I'm building a baby. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the item pick list, I actually just did a Twitter thread about that, about item pick list. And I did it about the dancers item pick list, but I feel like for a lot of them, it's like, it's this like, um, it's because it's like, it's like you need it to be doing a lot of things with Wander Home, where it's like, you've got the items, but also each item positions a relationship, right? Like if you go through every single item is establishing either like, here is another person in the world you care about, or here is like a community you care about or here is an ideology you care about or a a god or a folklore you're tied to. And then like in addition to that, it had to like say something about the character. Those item pick lists, I probably spent more time agonizing about than like basically anything else in the game. I think they underwent like, like like I, I went through each and every single one of them and revised them probably like six or seven times. Like they really, they really got, got tinkered with endlessly. I could imagine so. Um, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel it kind of leads into our next question, which Aki, if you want to go. Yeah, that. yeah. Uh, so what is your, oh, wait. Yeah, that's the right one. What is your process for creating the list slash uh, locations and the character uh, generation? So like kits and their natures and stuff. Um, so it all kind of spiraled out naturally where it was like I started with like I'm writing a playbook. Before I even really understood the game, I wrote a playbook. And then it was like, cool, I've got this great playbook. I've got a couple more playbooks. Um, They're going to be moving through the land. And crucially, like, in Wander Home, the land is, like, the world of Hayeth is just as important a part of, like, it's, it's of everything as, like, the characters in it. And also that the characters you're playing as are not unique from other people in the world right like it's not like it's not like in D where most people are zeroth level and you're your fifth level and that means you're a paragon of all being this is like you're a you know you're a poet and there are other poets mm-hmm. you're, you're people you're just you're 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 regular people um and so uh it was important to me that because of that, other people and places kind of get the same level of mechanical care 
as the playbooks themselves. And for places in particular, it was really important to me that it was like, I can make this world feel like, I, I it was important to me that the world does not feel uh, reactive. Like in many um, games, like Powered by the Apocalypse games, uh, the world is very reactive, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm I'm trying to think of a good example. I I I, th- I don't know Monster of the Week that well. I can't like cite it off the top of my head, but I feel like maybe Masks is a good example where um, NPCs and the world uh, is very responsive to the choices of the players, right? Like, mm-hmm. if if the players make a bold choice, that can totally reconfigure the entire world. And Wonder Home, I didn't want that. Oddly, I wanted the world to feel independent from any particular person, that the world is not just a force reacting to you, but is instead its own being that you exist in conversation with. Um, And so it was like, all right, I need to build a lot of mechanical infrastructure to make sure this comes alive. And then after that, it was just a lot of writing lists, (laughs) a lot, a lot of writing lists. Um, and then editing lists and making traits and natures and all of, and seasons and all of that and kind of tying it all together in such a way where I felt like, okay, this is at the end of it, like something that does successfully model, uh, a world that, that is, is bigger than I can picture, right? Like I can't visualize all of, Hey, if you can create natures and people that i cannot imagine and that's always important to me is that when it feels like it's it's bigger than me then i think i've succeeded that's kind of funny uh you mentioned that because a lot of players at least that i've come across and and this is mostly this is not a dig at D, but this Mm. is a dig at D, uh where Mm -hmm. they (laughs) don't like it when the world doesn't revolve around them in a Mm -hmm. sense like because i mean it makes sense though you're playing the main characters right Mm -hmm. and in some way or another um especially if you're in a more narratively collaborative group your your backstory is gonna come up and make a shape really a lot of the world um this this also goes for pathfinder too that (laughs) that's what we did um so I I think with with a system like this and there's no GM and it's it was so collaborative actually when we were playing I didn't think Wonder Home was that collaborative but no it was very <laughs> we out of nowhere one person was like can we have a war can it have could, could it end too and we're just like in disarray and we all went yes here's a war but like it oh, wasn't that, a war yeah. it was like here's the mm-hmm. aftermath mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Um, and I think that really, like, the thing is, is that, like, I think frequently when, so the, I think there's a model of, of, of traditional gaming, like, you know, B&D Pathfinder, where you're like, the GM makes a world and everyone else is just in it. And if your backstory comes up, you're lucky. And then I think there's a <laughs> counter response to that, a very reasonable counter response, which is that, no, this is a story. <laughs> We're the main characters of the story. And it's our 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 backstory should be relevant as we tell the story in the present, which I think is a is a very reasonable response. And if your goal is to build a narrative that kind of follows in that traditional narrative framing, then I think that that uh, makes a lot of sense and is very is very reasonable to desire. And then I think Wanderham is almost a little bit of a response to the response where I'm like, you're not trying, you're not the main characters, you're not the heroes, you're not like um 
there's a thing that I, I really kind of wanted to hammer in early and hammer in hard, which is like, you're not saviors that when you go to a new place, you don't have the power to save anyone who lives there. You're just, you're just here. Um, and you can learn and you can listen, but why on earth do you think you know better than the people who live here? Um, and I think that's a really uncommon thing to show up and certainly came out of a lot of conversations I had with uh, the, the many smarter people I surround myself with, like Kazumi, <laughs> uh, who is a dear friend of mine and also the editor for Wander Home. Um, but that was important to me that um, Wander Home wasn't, uh, it, it, you are not, um, like, it is collaborative. Um, but it is not this is it's conversation. It's 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 um. I guess like it's almost more of a web than like a than like a structure. I guess if that makes any sense, right? Like it's collaborative because we're all. Or I guess <laughs> I always use like a soup metaphor. I feel like where it's like we're all just in a big soup and we're all putting our ideas in a soup, <laughs> and we're not really sure what ideas are gonna or like what threads and which backstories and which characters are going to rise to the top of the soup and or which ones are going to incorporate more into the broth. But like the goal is not to make like, you know, like a lasagna or whatever with layers. The goal is to make like a soup. That's a, that's, I've been watching too much binging with Babish before this. (laughs) (laughs) I got a lot. Um, uh, Alyssa, were you going to say something? Oh yeah. I was just going to say sort of adding on to Aki's point when we did uh, when we played Wander Home, we were just going to do a one-shot. Um, mm-hmm. And we approached it, I think, at first, just like a standard PBTA one-shot where you can sort of whip out character questions and do a little world-building really quick. And then we ended up just doing our first session was three hours of building the world just because <laughs> there were, like world-building in this game is really fun and great. Um, it, and yeah. It getting away from you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've found that, uh, I think, I think the thing is, I, I always say character creation and imagining playing are also parts of play. Um, and that I have friends who don't enjoy playing games traditionally. They don't enjoy role playing. They enjoy world building. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, that kind of encompassing of play, right. Where it's like, we can play in this, but we can also imagine this. And the, the imagination and the building and the fleshing out is also very worthwhile. Um, yeah. No, I feel you. I, I do the same thing with Wander Home, where sometimes I'll just like be hanging out with folks and be like, let's build some Wander Home places, and we won't actually do anything with them. We just wanted to have them. <laughs> yeah, I like that, because that's just something that you can always just come back around to and mm-hmm. explore later. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I got wanted to kick off of this, uh, my question was there what was the reason for having all the player characters in the world be filled with uh animals instead of like you know going traditionally like playing as just like people or you know mm-hmm. what have you so um there uh, the answer's a little hard and i've I've yet to say it in a way that I've really enjoyed saying so mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna try and explain it um but I feel like I might say the words wrong but i think that the goal for me has was that um the human body is very political as we are all super aware um and Mm -hmm. that i think that um to me it's really hard to like if, if my goal is to get the players to start imagining a world where healing is possible 
I need to kind of get them away a little bit from the human body with the hopes that once they're kind of like, if I don't believe RPGs are truly like, like direct action in any sense, I don't think I'm not, I just think that like, if I am going to write something that I hope has the possibility to impact people, one of my goals for it is that like, I need to kind of find a spot where we can imagine like, yeah, you know, if we're going to say like, you know, let us use this as a way of imagining healing. Right. Um, I want to get them a little bit away from the politics of the human body, from the politics of, you know, gender and race and all of that. Not like a way in a way where it doesn't exist, but just a way in a sense that they can, you know, sort of be like, all right, I am exploring this character who is non-human and thus doesn't carry, carries their own set of cultural baggage that is much, um, much easier to grapple with. And then you can like you can kind of understand that and return to the human body but like as i said i i don't really like any of the answers i ever give to this question um uh, maybe mm -hmm. i should just start telling people it's furry bait um but <laughs> i do think that there was something important there <laughs> i do think that there was there's there's something important there of, of my goal to um that like you want something where um like gender as an example um Sexual dimorphism is really common in animals, um, and Wander Home plays with it frequently, with mm. um, you know deers in dresses and antlers, um, or you know like you have a rooster, you know who is a girl, you know like a, you know like that sort of stuff, and that allows you to play with gender, the politics of gender, the the identity of gender without um, having to like slam headfirst into the reality of politics of gender right where if for example you wanted to play a trans feminine deer you might be talking about gender in a very different way than you would be if you were talking about a trans feminine human but it still allows you to talk about transness or i think maybe a good example in a in a home game i'm playing with my friends gian and brennan um gian is playing um a traveler from a distant land a pilgrim who is um i believe an otter uh or one of with um and the otter mm -hmm. is distinctive as an outsider because of a series of arm tattoos that are culturally important and so gian is uh, she's doing a lot with like culture and uh the identity that emerges from there and like representing culture and finding community but in a way that allows her to sort of get away from the politics of doing that with humans and human race. And then ideally like that kind of transfers back, but getting that space allows you to do sort of better work with it. I think. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? I really, again, this is like <laughs> the closest I've gotten to an answer I'm happy with in my many times I've been asked that question. Oh, valid, I, I, valid. Yeah, no, I, 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 I see where you're getting at. Yeah, no, I, I very much understand. Um, I don't want to be like I'm making them animals to get rid of gender and race, which is not the intention. Mm -hmm. um, it's you know, it's the it's that I think you can do you can make different moves with it in a play space. I think is the yeah. Oh yeah, I totally yeah. I was just that was just something I was wondering about because mm -hmm. uh, I I was able to play like the fool as just like a red panda, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just like that that for me that's just a wonderfully joyous image of just this clueless red panda talking to their their yeah. big angie friend um mm -hmm. 
I think also animals allow us to bring like this this cultural language that we're all able to share in a way that doesn't uh, feel forced. Like we like it's like it's it's a lot like how with gender, right? With gender, we have these cultural frameworks that get presupposed onto objects. And if I hold up a fork and I tell you this fork is a girl, your brain starts doing things with that, like with that fork mentally. You start applying things to that fork. Um, without meaning to, and that's just that's just one of the functions of of these social constructs is that they apply these matrices onto the world around us. And the advantage of animals, I think, is that they are a matrix which is um, which is a different set of politics to it than the human body is. I think also maybe that's the answer I should have given this whole time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the red panda is happy, the wolf is grumpy, the rabbit mm -hmm. is alert. You know these kind of character traits. And so if you choose to play a, a sad red panda, that's an interesting character choice mm -hmm. that emerges from the fact that we have this pre-understanding of the red panda that gets applied. And then you can play with that. And it feels much easier and safer to play with than, you know, uh, playing with gender or race, you know? And like, you still can, but, you know, it, just, it gives you that kind of safety. Not gonna lie, I thought you chose um, animals uh, over, over, like, humans because... Um, you know the the a go to uh excuse I guess mm -hmm. or uh people I hear hear people often say whenever they want to say the world sucks is, is that humans are bad <laughs> humanity sucks and um I mean like like yeah we got different races and stuff but you, you but in the minute you go you know all this sucks it's like oh, oh holy shit wait a minute right yeah. whereas. <laughs> Yeah, right? Whereas we're all animals. You can't just go, well, all cats suck. And then yeah. all the cats look at you and go, which ones? Like, yeah, <laughs> right? So and it's I, like... I think also it lets us make clear, right, that that the, the challenges facing this world are not... A, it's not about uh, the animal. It's not about the, it's not about the, the people, cause people. The people of the world are good. It's about the systems, right? It's about capitalism. It's about colonialism. It's white supremacy mm -hmm. and patriarchy and these kind of structures that are used to tear people in the land apart and so you know people are good um it's just we've made an awful you know like <laughs> white people have made yeah, an awful yeah. europeans have made an awful mess for ourselves yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah like um, with with our little little quote-unquote war um uh -huh. backstory we never we didn't even do the zootopia route where it was like predators <laughs> versus everyone else it uh -huh. was uh -huh. yeah we had we had our jackal and we had our um bat on the same mm -hmm. side and I played a tiger, and I was technically on the opposite side, but I didn't say a fucking thing. But like, yeah. you know, it was, yeah, it was like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or like, um, one thing I always enjoy is just, um, like, I've I've seen people do this work uh, with like, there's a lot of references to the Lilac Rebellion um, and to the King of the Floating Mountain, and I've. I've I've seen people talk about. I don't know if it's been implemented in a game yet, but I've seen some really smart stuff about how like what's interesting about that war is partial or the, you know, the implication of that war, if you choose to invite it into your game, uh, is that, um, like it's not based on like, cause, right, cause when we make, when you make it predators versus prey, we're pre presuming this kind of like biological justification for, you know, violence, which is just inaccurate. There's no, uh, you know, there's no, there's no biological justification. It's just these arbitrary social categorizations. And it's, I think, a lot more satisfying to me when war gets, when, like, we get to talk about violence without being like, oh, this violence is somehow biologically justified instead of just, like, 
these people hurt each other and now we need to figure out what to do <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, yeah um I, I think from this i'm gonna kind of like segue into our next question is uh i i was wondering is there anything specifically that you learned during the writing of this game just in general or about specifically like the game design that you've since implemented in like from your different games going on to wander Oh, goodness. I um, often say that I feel like when you're done writing something, you are not the same person who would have written it, right? Like if I was to write Wander Home now, I would not write Wander Home. I'd write a different game. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's because, right, like the process of writing something fundamentally changes who you are. Like, Like writing is, art is alchemy, that you are turning some part of you from lead into gold. Um, and, um, I think for me, what Wanderhome taught me is very much, um, Wanderhome helped me kind of crystallize a lot of my feelings around game as a, games as a playground space, that as the creator, my job is not to tell you how to play, but instead to, uh, invite you to play in this space and to kind of complicate the play you would already do right like kind of create like you know like monkey bars right like you can play (laughs) anywhere you can play tag in a field but playing tag on monkey bars adds something to the game that wasn't there before and i'm not writing tag i'm writing monkey bars um is kind of the 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 framing that i think wander home really helped me crystallize i think also um Wanderhome really helped me understand kind of the, the the incredible value of art as a tool of communicating uh, meaning that a lot of the work of articulating what is it like to play Wanderhome, what are kind of the emotional highs and lows, what is the space that exists, comes through really heavily in the art and the artwork. Um, and that was really fascinating to learn and also really great to kind of see play out and to work with all the great artists and to really kind of figure out how to articulate that it is like the, the variety of vision present. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what I learned. Uh, yeah. The, the art for water home is stunning. Like mm-hmm. just going through like even just a PDF and like, I'm looking at all the physical copies that everyone's getting just like, that looks so good. <laughs> the, the, my business partner Ruby is a goddamn genius. Grub is is a wizard with with art, with visuals, with everything. Um, and uh, she's really kind of the force that helped make sure that the art looks even more stunning when printed out in CMYK than on the screen. And it it adds it, like I think that really it's just like I can spend a thousand words trying to explain to you what the small and forgotten gods are like, right? Like I can tell you all sorts of things. Or I can show you Jenny Lindbergh's picture at the start of the book of the Little Mushroom Parade, right? Like, you know, I could spend, you know, ages and ages trying to explain, you know, like the way time and space are both part of the journey in the land. Or I can show you Nadir Noor's incredible uh, two-page spread where, um, based on on traditional, I believe, Malaysian uh, tapestry work, where the characters are moving through the space where you can see them as recurring characters over the mountains as they move like through it both in space and time and like that work does more to communicate uh wanderhome's philosophy around like movement and land than 
uh, I, I could have written, you know, and, or, you know, anything like that, any number of things like that. Like the art does an incredible job uh, articulating the, the viewpoint and ideology and philosophy of the game better than my words can, I think. Yeah, no, I, I 100% see that. I, I understand. Yeah, and it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, to discount your words, though, because yes, they're <laughs> very good. Yes. My words are all right. I'm, I'm grateful for my editors. Alyssa, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, do you want to go on with uh, your question? Yeah. So do you have like a favorite playbook, either in terms of like the writing or the theming or just sort of something you'd like to play or really enjoy playing? Uh, I, I feel like they're all my children. Uh, however, the Ragamuffin. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, the Ragamuffin is my personal favorite in terms of one that I most enjoy playing. If you were like, if you give me a free choice, I will generally pick the Ragamuffin because um, they are... They let me get at the sadder parts of Wander Home, which is always a thing that I like to do when I play the game. Um, and they also, however, they let me get at the sadder parts without being maudlin and being a happy, chill character. But I still get to kind of like poke at the outskirts of Aftermath in a way that's very satisfying. Um, I also love, um, I think design-wise, the veteran is my favorite. Um, or perhaps the moth tender grubby my again my business partner grubby her favorite's the moth tender by far and i like her justification for it so i'm like i think ragamuffin veteran moth tender um caretaker exile you know then it kind of keeps going you know i, I can mm-hmm. i love them all <laughs> Yeah, no, the veteran having a sword that if they use for violence, the character ends um, is very cool. It's 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 very cool. It's also very um, satisfying to me because it's like theoretically, right? Like I could have just said that the rule was if you use violence, this is what happens. But no one else really has violence on the table, much in the same way like in my daily life, I don't have violence on the table, right? Like there's it's extremely unlikely for me to be in a situation and for me to go, oh, well, I'm going to draw my sword and kill someone, right? That's just not on my wavelength. But the veteran, as someone who has had to engage in violence, for good or for ill, uh, the veteran kind of understands that it is on the table in a way that isn't for anyone else. And that's what I think makes them really interesting and weird and fun for me. Because it's like, Theoretically, there could be other veterans. There are other people who have references to being involved in violence and being involved in wars, but there's a difference, right, between, like, oh, the shepherd used to help out the rebellion versus, like, oh, the, <laughs> it's the veteran. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shaped by it. Um, in um, our our short little game that we played, uh, one of our players played the moth tender, and... One of the relationship questions was uh, for them to my fools. Like, would they show you where all the moths stay and all that? Um, and just, I remember that question for mm-hmm. my my little, my fool, my Fernando. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that was so important to them, uh, seeing, going around. And Alyssa, was, was your character the veteran? I forget. No, I did the Vagabond. So the vagabond, also yeah. trauma, but... Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the Vagabond's not even going to tell like, what the, va- the Vagabond is so interesting to me because it's like, the Vagabond also has potential references to being involved in violence, right? Like the Vagabond can be an ex-soldier even, which 
technically makes them a, a veteran, you know, in a strict you know, term sense of the word. But mm-hmm. the difference, right, is that the vagabond is about the trauma of of how people perceive you and how people judge you and like you know what it means to be you know at least to me that's my interpretation i guess of the vagabond mm-hmm. is that the vagabond is very much uh, about uh people judging you and people you know like casting you away and people you know like you know like sort of the you know the victim of the carceral state and how do you redeem um and then the ve- the veteran is like much more i guess almost about i almost want to say addiction like just from my work with 12 step and all that like NAAA kind of stuff like the veteran has that quality to them where they are like the like the vagabond is not struggling with with the urge to kill the vagabond is struggling because they are there's you know like they they are not able to fit into this kind of cultural set of expectations and are judged for it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're, they played the sad, sad boy, and they're best friends with my fool, and it was wonderful. Um, amazing. <laughs> I love the Vagabond. The Vagabond's always so fun, especially, like, in a game where it's, like, everyone else is really, like, chill and upbeat, and the Vagabond is just like, yeah, I'm evil the rat. And I'm like, I love you every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I was also looking at the Ragamuffin for that game, but I was just like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Which way do I want to respond to trauma? Um, <laughs> and based oh, actually on my experience playing Sleepaway, where I was like, yes, I'll be the song leader and I'll be like super vocal and talk things through and try to encourage people. And it was really hard just for it me is. as a person. Oh, yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. It is challenging. Um, the moral compass as somebody who's been playing the moral compass in a <laughs> long form steady podcast oh, hitting its God. third season mm-hmm. fucking sucks <laughs> <laughs> it's so what annoying hard. yeah enough of that be a oh god all your heart <laughs> yeah holy shit it was it was just it's just like you know like ha huh? and ironically i went and picked the guardian so it's like ah, i still have mm-hmm. to be the moral compass but at least it's to one person uh, who's <laughs> one a child person. So, mm-hmm. so it's not difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, on a more on a more personal tone, though, I picked the Guardian because around the time I had to give uh, away my puppy. Oh, so, yeah. so I like played it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this is good." Uh, and the best way to put <laughs> it is that I, I used real life healing for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. What do you call it? you know the the cat in the illustration for the guardian in the book is actually someone's cat um a backer messaged us asking if they could have their cat uh in their dead cat in the book because their cat recently passed away and wanted some way to honor them and we were like yeah totally we put we put their cat um in the guardian illustration as the ward um and so that's an that's an actual cat their name is coco um and we like actually even changed the guardian's text slightly to make their cat easy to create it as a ward. Jay, that's so sweet. That's I so know, sweet. Right? It was really touching. It was like one one backer was like, "What tier do I have to back it?" We we're like, "Don't back a tier. Donate to an animal sanctuary. It's all good. We'll get it in there. We can't do this publicly for everyone because we can't figure out, you know, fifty <laughs> animal placements." Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We can do this for you because you you asked and you're you know you seem sweet. <laughs> uh, on that um on that note, 
Uh, was there anything that uh, Aki and Lisa you wanted to bring up before we kind of like uh, have Aki lead us out? I am. I am very good. I'm good. Uh, then Aki, why don't you go ahead with uh, leading out? All right. So, where can people find the game and the other work you can do? Just uh, plug, you plug away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's my. That's my skill. Um, that's my special talent. Um, you can find me on Twitter, J Dragon. Uh, I promise you, there you're not going to find any other J Dragons. <laughs> um, there you can find uh, the work I do at Possum Creek at Possum underscore Creek on Twitter. Possum Creek Games everywhere else. Uh, you can find us on our website is possumcreekgames.com. We have a shop where we sell Wander Home. We sell. Sleep Away, which we mentioned, we saw Wickedness, which is a three-player RPG about a coven of witches that's played with a tarot deck, and it's just stunning. Uh, we are currently working on Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, which is mm -hmm. a, a legacy base, a, a legacy game slice of life RPG uh, with uh, about a heartless witch who runs a bed and breakfast, and uh, we are posting updates to that on our Patreon. We have a very active Patreon Discord. Uh, with a lot of really great folks where we do a lot of like design work and you know I'll I'll be on call writing and people come and hang out and you can join that by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash possum creek. I think that's just about everything. Uh but yeah you can you can pick up our pick up our work, pick up our books, back our Patreon, check out the work we do, come and support us and you know join our newsletter, all of that fun stuff. Yeah, great. And everyone should definitely do that. If you haven't picked up Wander Home, this whole thing should be enough for you to go check it out. It is such just it's a joy to play. It's a great way to get into world building and just, you know, having this good story with people that you care about. Um, Jay, thank you so much for this. This has been a wonderful chat. Thank uh, you so much, Dusty. This has been a real delight. Uh, and yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how to do outro, but thank you so much, everyone, for coming and listening. Be sure to check out the other episodes of the podcast. Um, <laughs> be sure to check out <laughs> the morning Pathfinder campaign now in its third season. Is that right? Yes, yeah. that's for fucking goblets and gays, bitches. Goblets and gays. <laughs> Go that out. It's really. I'm sure it's really cool. I haven't listened because I just got here, but these are really great folks. I'm sure they did a great job. Thank you all so much for joining us, and I hope you have a great day. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you again for listening to A Well-Seasoned Story. Uh, and thank you to Jay Dragon for having this wonderful conversation with us. Uh, please go check them out at everything they've done at Possum Creek Games. You can find at possumcreekgames.com. And there you'll find Wander Home, Sleep Away, Wickedness. And there's actually the playtest for Yaziba's Bed and Breakfast, the game that Jay Dragon mentioned in the episode. Um, and uh, you heard us talking about the game that we played. So actually, the next coming weeks, you'll hear um, it's a two-shot of a game of Wander Home played with both Aki, Alyssa, and Hamna at underscore H Shahid at Twitter, which you'll probably um, find next week. Uh, but we'll be playing wonder home the first episode is us creating the world which is just a joy to do the one after that is actually playing in it so that's gonna be it for this week though um until next time stay seasoned